as if being married to a leggy supermodel wasn't enough, uh, this man also has the largest selling album in the country, right here. It's called River of Dreams, and we are honored to have him as our very first musical guest. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Joel. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. everyone and welcome to another episode of Billy Joel A to Z where today we talk about the song No Man's Land everyone's favorite Woo. <laughs> I have a feeling no one's ever heard of this song but No Man's Land kicks off Billy's 12th and final album entitled River of Dreams No Man's Land was released as the second or third single depending on who you ask from the album River of Dreams in December of 1993, but never placed on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. The song only appears additionally on the DVD, the DVD of the My Lives compilation album. You know, that's that's bad, which which are just for some reason, live songs from the River of Dreams tour. That My Lives compilation album is the most confusing album ever put together. (laughs) I'll never like let's not put my life on it. No one wants to hear that song. Still, that's the strangest thing. It's called My Lives, and they don't put my life on it. Whatever. Anyway, No Man's Land is a song that was released and on a true album of Billy Joel, even though it was his final album. So it is ranked, and it is ranked by both Christopher Bonanos and Glenn Gamboa. Where, Alan Altman, do you feel Christopher Bonanos put this song that no one ever speaks of, some people might not have even heard of, and is just completely forgettable on his 2015 New York Magazine rankings. I feel like this one is around 85. That's what I would have thought. I was actually going to give you a hint and say it's much higher than you could possibly imagine. He puts it at 40. Unbelievable. Yeah. And Glenn Gamboa puts it at 50. Well, it's about that suburban life in Long Island again. So Glenn has a certain connection to that. Well, also, there's a very Long Island aspect to it, so maybe that has something to do with it. But the fans uh, rank it not where I would put it, but I think where other people put it at 104. (laughs) People, Billy Joel fans don't like this song. Dave Juskow enjoys this song. You do? Well, Elon, I have thought about this song since the day it came out for multiple reasons. 
many times, and I've spoken about this and as weird of a vision as it may be, when I am in the shower, this song comes to mind. The opening of this song. And then my favorite part where it's just like, I've seen those big machines come rolling. And I say this, but the quiet pines. Like, it just sounds so ridiculous. Like, this morning's paper, when it just kicks in. Um, I don't even know whether I like the song or not, but I think about it all the time. And then in listening to the song again, which I probably actually haven't heard the song, I mean, I might say for 30 years that it first came out, even though it is etched in my mind for so many reasons. And again, I will tell you where most of this probably comes from. When it goes in and that chorus and the Oz come in, it, it's great. I love it. But I don't love it like I love even Money or Love or something like that. But I've always liked the song, but it's not a good Billy Joel song. It's a weird song, I think. I, I kind of like it, too. It's a weird song. You're right. It has some kind of catchiness to it, and, and you like that it's odd, like the way he sings it in this weird, deep voice. The whole, like, you know, now we're going to get the... Whatever that what those lyrics are. The big franchise. Isn't that what... Yeah. Now we're going to get the sports franchise. All that sports kind of stuff. It's and like... the major it, attractions. Ah. Yeah. I like that. Going from, like, the major yeah. attractions into the chorus is kind of cool. It's, it's strange. The guy's the king of catchy. And it's like a it's a hard rock song. It's got a, some like really cool electric guitar in it. So it's like he's kicking off an album with this song. Yep. Uh, it definitely makes you think like, whoa, this album's going to rock. Uh, and then you get lullaby. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, the, but the album does rock, though. I mean, a lot of it is more hard rock than a lot of his other stuff. It was definitely was a departure. And this is a good way to kick that off. What I don't like about the song is it kind of goes on too long, I think. Oh, yes, definitely. All, all the songs are River Dreams go too long. Yeah, there was no editing process here. I don't think he cared to put stuff on. I think he pulled the entertainer and didn't want to cut it down to 305. And I think he just went for it on this album. I think he knew it was it. And he's like, I'm making the song as long as I want to make it. And everybody can go screw themselves. Yeah, he was still upset that moving out had to be cut down to four minutes by Phil Ramone. See? Okay, so here's a lot of the other reason I like it, too. Billy Joel was the first musical guest on David Letterman, on The Late Show by David Letterman. Uh, when he went to CBS from NBC. I, along with my compatriots, loved David Letterman. And we're very excited when he was moving to CBS. I worshipped him on NBC. And I had a big party at my house for everybody to watch the new Late Show with David Letterman. And we we're all gathered in this little room that I had with Sarah Silverman. And uh, I think, I don't know, maybe Attell was there, a bunch of comics, and in totally couldn't wait enjoying the whole show. Bill Murray's the first guest, Billy Joel's first musical guest ever. The show was amazing. It was funny. The open, everything was good about it. And so when Billy Joel came out playing the first song off his brand new album and was the first musical guest on Letterman, and this was the song, I think I think of a good time when I hear this song. So that probably also has a lot to do to it's, it's again one of those places where were you what were you doing when you heard this song and sometimes that alone can be a good enough reason to like a song absolutely and that you're right because i remember watching that first letterman on cbs i was uh, nine years old and i don't remember this song at all i remember the bill murray thing i remember him spray painting the desk which i thought was very very cool 
I did not remember at all that Billy Joel played or played this song. I remember this song really well because number one, I was very surprised that he chose this song to play. Not, I wasn't, I don't know what the other songs in the album was, but it was just, it was, I felt it was a strange song to play on the first show of Letterman in the sense of this is what you're going to be remembered for, (laughs) you know, but of course you got to play something off the new album, but I think I might've chosen maybe river of dreams instead or something uh, being more that where it seems that might go further into time where it would still be a fun song. Yeah. But maybe he wants to just really rock out. Cause like the band is really rocking out here. I mean, Paul Schaefer's going nuts behind him because Billy's on a stand-up keyboard, which you don't usually see. Usually he's either sitting at the piano or standing up with the mic or with the guitar, but he's up there at the keyboard and right behind him, Paul Schaefer's got his three keyboards and he's jumping around. He's going crazy. And what's weird is Billy's playing with Dave's band for the most part. Liberty's pretty much off camera, but he is drumming but you barely see him at all. And then Mark Rivera and Crystal and two other guys are just shaking maracas. Well, uh, yeah, well, that's that's why it makes Billy so cool. First of all, Anton Fig is just like Liberty. They probably hated each other. Anton Fig wouldn't let anybody else drum. He really had a lot of problems. Now, this is the first episode, so who knows when this all started. But, you know, a high honor for Billy to say, let's use also the, quote, CBS Orchestra Uh, Because he could totally have just used his own band. But how cool is that, that he let Paul and the rest of the band play on this song? It's way cool. But he still invited his band so they didn't feel bad about it because he knows that Liberty gets angry about that kind of stuff. So he pleased everybody in one fell swoop. Yeah, but I bet when Liberty was watching it back when it aired at 1130, he must have been like, are you kidding me? I'm I'm off camera the entire time. Well, which probably Anton Fig made happen. Yeah. Another very angry drummer. I guess it's just a drummer thing. Now, uh, I don't know whether you saw when he plays this song at Nassau Coliseum in 2017. The crowd is not into it, nor were they happy when he said he was about to play it. I have never seen a reaction to a Billy Joel song like that. One of the uh, what do we call the rarities that he pulls out where nobody's into it. Polite clapping. (laughs) They're probably confused because they don't remember what it is. I, you know, if he played it when I was there, I'd be thrilled. I'd be thrilled. I, I do enjoy this song. Also, remember, you know, he talks about uh, Amy Fisher, uh, the Long Island Lolita, which is amazing that he made a reference to that, you know, because that is a, a you know, just a complete timely thing that you have to know about during Wait, she, that. Time. She's in the lyrics of the song, though. I think they call, say the Long Island Lolita, which is Amy Fisher. Oh, yeah. I saw the Lolita reference. I was thinking of, a, of the book. I didn't think. That no, that was a no. He's to... talking about Amy Fisher. Yeah, because he's talking. Wait, it's a song about Long Island and the commercialization and where all the stuff goes. At that time, that was Amy Fisher and Joey Buttafuoco. And of course, if you're uh, young and you don't know that story, this uh, uh, girl uh, was fooling around with this guy who was married. This Goomba named Joey Buttafuoco was a just complete fool. And she shot his wife. And it was one of those and the, the wife survived so it, it it's horrible but yeah it's one of those wonderful things i talk about on my podcast just Gavin city all the time where everyone was talking about it. you talk about it with your doorman you talk about it with the newspaper guy you talk about it with the mailman you know it's one of those things everybody can just it was real fun because all this stuff just and these people just look stupid their accents were stupid it made long island look stupid so you know how does a guy who's writing songs about long island not include this he'd be an idiot 
So it was kind of awesome. And then he even makes a Joey Buttafuoco comment on his VH1 storytellers. Yeah, yeah, I heard him say that. Yeah. He's talking about famous people from Massapequa. Yeah, exactly. And that it's just a joke. And folks, this was so popular. They made three TV movies about this and played it all in the same week. ABC, CBS, NBC. Three movies about this situation. Yeah, they're like all trying to beat each other to the punch. It was and they all just came out the same week. Unbelievable. This was one of the biggest stories in the history of stories and, and the stupidest of all stories. Even though I was just a kid, I, I was very well aware of that whole story. It was huge. And this and also the other one that I remember the most was uh, Lorena Bobbitt and John Wayne Bobbitt. Of course. Right. Where Lorena Bobbitt cut penis. off her husband's <laughs> penis and then threw it out her car window. <laughs> yeah. And then they, found and they reattached. They reattached. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those kind of stories where as long as nobody died and everything, you know, and I mean, it's not OK. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Mrs. Budafuco is, you know, still a little messed up from that, but she did survive. She's forgiven Amy Fisher. I mean, as long as, you know, nobody, it, it's not like that Gabby Patino story where her boyfriend completely killed her, which again, still gripped everybody and was fun to talk about because it was exciting. We're just kind of hoping for a better ending, you know, just some justice. Yes, understandable. But everybody loves stories like these and Billy Joel put it out there in no man's land out here <laughs> in no man's <laughs> land. <laughs> oh, yeah, you oh, get such awesome. a high note that I think your mic cut out there. Oh, it did. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I really went for it. I hit it too. I was very. I was proud of myself. <laughs> You're like Billy Joel in uh, "Got to Begin Again." Right. <laughs> That's right. Now the lyrics of this song through the quiet pines. <laughs> yes, lyrics like that. Which you're now singing in your deep. You have such range like Mariah Carey from the lowest (laughs) octave to the highest. Just like her. So Billy Joel has said in, I think, 2018 that this song might have his favorite lyrics. Really? Which I cannot believe. Yeah. They're interesting. But I mean, of all the things he wrote, he mentions No Man's Land. I can't believe he said that. That's fascinating out of No Man's Land. But I, I, you know, I do like it. Where's that this morning's papers that I. Oh, it's the second verse that I always think it goes. I've seen those big machines come rolling through the quiet pines. I didn't even know this next line. Blue suits and bankers with their Volvos and their Valentines. But it's not Valentines. It's Valentines. Give us this day. (laughs) That's that's a good one. Uh, Valentine. Yeah. What's what's a Valentine? No, Valentines. You're reading the wrong lyrics. Oh, I see the word Valentine. (laughs) Volvos and their Valentines. That rhymes with quiet pines. Valentine's is a brand of whiskey. Would that make more sense there? No, because he's talking blue suits and bankers with their Volvos. Valentine's is a bad whiskey. It's not like well, if, but if, Volvo's a bad car. No, I thought that would be an expensive car that. A no, bank- it's like a dependable car. But if you're like a banker, it's kind of a cheesy. It's like you have a great job, but you're still just driving a Volvo and drinking cheap whiskey. Valentine's scotch. Maybe that's a good. I thought it was a that's a 12 year old. Maybe that is Valentine. I mean, the lyrics I'm looking at say Valentine's Valentine's. Makes more sense. Because then the next line, give us this day, our daily discount outlet merchandise. So it's about, you know, kind of this li- trying to look fancy, but you're kind of living in a discount outlet mall lifestyle. Now we're going to get the big business. Now we're going to get the real thing. Everybody's all excited, all excited about, about it. it. Oh, 
I like it. And wait, where's the uh, oh there? Lots more to read about Lolita and suburban lust. This morning's paper says our neighbors in a cocaine bus. There it is again. He loves talking about cocaine. It, it distracts from his drinking. Lots more to read about Lolita and suburban lust. That is, he is talking about Amy Fisher and Joey Butafuku. Butafuku. That's like as good as Jeff Galuli. Galuli. That's another one. Yeah. Galuli and Tanya Harding. Oh, man. The I early see, 90s had great scandals. Yeah. I see these children with the boredom and their vacant stare. <laughs> You're singing it as if maybe he's channeling like a really disinterested king. <laughs> I see these children with their vacant stairs. There's cable now in zombie town. <laughs> well, we're living here in zombie town. <laughs> these are fun lyrics. I do like them. <laughs> I like them a lot. Isn't that interesting? I just went to Google, put in no man's land, and the lyric says Valentine's. Oh, well, here's the Billy Joel official site. Now it says Valentine's. This is Billy Joel's official site. Oh, okay. In a way, I think whiskey sounds better than Valentine in that, in that lyric. But well, now that you mention it, yeah, it does sound better. Blue suits and bankers with their Volvos and their Valentine. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Does he, besides the one I saw in 2017, Alan, has he ever played this live? And don't give me shit about playing it when the album came out. I'm talking about well, later that counts. on. Well, it doesn't, though. We know he played it live then during the River of Dreams tour. I'm saying let's assume he played it multiple times during the River of Dreams tour. It's a single that was released. But let's just say from 1997 on, has he ever played it besides the one time I know about? OK, well, I'm going to give you the full and I'll give you that what you're asking for. So overall, it's the 42nd most played song. He's played it 104 times. This is the can... 42nd most played song. <laughs> yeah. I find that difficult to believe. So he played it 104 times, but 90 of those times were on the River of Dreams tour. Right, so I'm told where you this was the opening those. number. Come on, man. What are you doing? OK, so what you want to know is what happened since then. And the answer is he never played it since then until 2015. And since 2015, he has played it 14 times. Interesting. OK, there it is. That's see now that's now you're being useful. Well, I had to get there. You needed the full context. Well, you don't, though. We know we played it a bunch of times in the River of Dreams. That we but you don't always that. know that. We know. Look, when we did Easy Money, we would have assumed you would have no, played that. No, during we would Innocent not have Mantor. assumed the Easy. No, we wouldn't, because it's not a single. Like, I mean, that's something that would be it. This is a single. You know, he's going to play it off the album. The Easy Money, you could go either way. I feel like this one he definitely played during the River of Dreams tour. It's on the River of Dreams tour album of that stupid My Lives. So I'm going to guess. But I didn't know that he would open with it. And that, that's interesting. And that makes sense. How do you like this guy? How do you like this guy? We've talked about this before. And he's done this before, before this album. He opens with his hit. You got to love it. He doesn't give a crap. He's like, are you kidding me? I'll open with the new song and because everybody's always waiting for the new song off the album. And uh, he does. He's like, no, nah, you kidding? I got so many encores. Forget about it. Fascinating. He does what he wants. Uh, what was the album that I saw him open it with? Definitely wasn't. We didn't start. He didn't open with. He didn't start the fire. Um, I don't remember what album it was, but, uh, you know, man, one of those ones. He just opened with the hit. Maybe it was Allentown. Nah, it couldn't have been. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's the Nylon Curtain tour. I don't, he he just opens with the new hit because he has so many. I've never seen any other artist do that. It's fascinating. I've seen some people do that kind of thing because there's like, the newer fans 
are kind of into that. They might only know you from the new thing, but that's not the case with Billy Joel. Yeah. There's no one who like heard this song and just discovered Billy Joel. Like what is that? 1% of his listeners maybe. Yeah, exactly. Very weird. I would like to hear this song in concert if we ever go. Well, there's a decent chance. He hasn't played a lot, but obviously 14 times in the last seven years isn't well, nothing. If we go with Stephen Mandel, we can request it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Billy, uh, you know Stephen, that song that everyone hates? Play yeah. it for us. Uh, Stephen, just one thing. We're all going to need that. And obviously, December. December. <laughs> I knew you knew where it was going. <laughs> Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? I have an absolute classic stumper that, of course, involves myself because those are the best trivia questions, I think. <laughs> like, who else was at that party in 1993? <laughs> Unless for some reason you didn't like the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids reference. I mean, please. <laughs> All right. You ready for this? Yep. <laughs> okay. In 1993, three Amy Fisher movies came out on TV the same week, as I told you. There was the NBC version with Noel Parker, who no one knows, entitled Amy Fisher, My Story. That was the Amy Fisher side. The CBS version with Alyssa Milano entitled Casualties of Love, the Long Island Lolita story. That was the Joey Botafuco side. <laughs> and then there was the ABC version entitled The Amy Fisher Story with Drew Barrymore. That was New York Post reporter Amy Pagnosi's version. Which of these versions... Did Dave Juskow sit down to dinner with during the time where the person insisted their version was the only version you needed to see? You sat down to dinner with. Damn it. I didn't word it right. Wait, <laughs> I said I had dinner with two people. So you have to just choose who told me that theirs was the real version was the NBC version, which is the Amy Fisher side was it the CBS version, which is the Joey Botafuca side. Or the ABC version, which was the reporter side. Who did Dave Juskow sit down where these people tried to convince me my version was the only one to see? I think you had dinner with Drew Barrymore. No, I did not have dinner with Drew Barrymore, but you're right. That is the version. I had dinner with Amy Pagnosi. Uh, we were friendly from the New York Post who wrote, or that was her version of the story. So, yes, that was one. Wait. And there was someone else, one of the other versions also, you had dinner with someone? Yeah, that's what makes this story so unbelievable. So, I had list- dinner with people from two different versions of this, and both of them told me their side is the only side to listen to. Okay, so then I'm going to guess the uh, it was Alyssa Milano. No, it's the unknown one, unfortunately. No. <laughs> it's Noel Parker on NBC. But uh, we were friendly at the time. She, we had dinner together, and she told me my version is the only one to see. Of course, why she would even know that she's as an actress, who knows? But that's why she was never heard of again. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's a kind of sad that I had dinner with the one that nobody knows. But uh, the reporter from the Post was awesome. She was way cool. She broke and this a bunch was of contemporaneous. Stories. This was like when while this was all happening, you knew her and had this dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm older than you, you know, so a little bit. <laughs> the, the best, again, is just sitting down for dinner and somebody just trying to convince you that their version out of these three ridiculous stories. <laughs> and then you just sit there and I, I didn't even say anything. Uh, I was just like, really? <laughs> well, how do you like that? It's, uh, they didn't even know I had dinner with the other person. You know, the other person didn't know. <laughs> You're like, I'm getting different stories from everybody. Who do I believe? It was an oddly worded question, but I, I, I feel like you got most of it right. 
No, I got it completely wrong. It was the third no, option. You, you, said, you said the ABC. You said Drew Barrymore. Oh, yeah. That was actually the correct answer. Okay, yeah, right. I didn't get the second one right. No, because I didn't phrase the question correctly. It's okay. It's, is it funny? Is it a good trivia question? Or is it? Yeah, hard? it was a good question. All right. I like to involve myself. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one for me? Yes. In the song, Billy Joel uses the word zombie town. There is a 1989 movie called Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town, some kind of B-movie horror comedy thing, which features an early acting role by what other Billy? Billy Ray Valentine, Capricorn. <laughs> um, wait, I know this because I have seen that movie. It's a boy? Yeah, guy named Billy, 1989, early role. Billy Bob Thornton. That's correct. Boom. What's up? Boom. <laughs> I got it like nothing. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I've seen it. I saw all, well, you know, in the 80s, it was hard not to see movies because there were only three that came out, you know, like a, a week or two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was easy to see everything nowadays. It is too much. So how do you make a parody for this one? I don't think anybody will care. You know, this is a good one. If you want to use the scones, this might be the day. Oh, no, no. I, uh, I took your advice. Last, last episode, I said I was thinking of a Seinfeld-themed parody, and I didn't do it. And so this time, I said I'm going to do it. All right, let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. Is it Newman's Land? It is. Oh, I just <laughs> thought of it once you said it. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. All right, I'm all in. I've seen those big machines go sorting all the zip codes. Blue canvas bags get filled with packages and envelopes. I am so proud to be a U.S. postal worker, man. But my day's ruined when I hear Seinfeld say hello, new man. Now I'm going to say hello, Jerry. Then I'm going to tell Kramer my schemes and he's going to get excited about it. Oh. We'll go to Michigan to return cans out here in Newman's land. Get jambalaya from the soup, man. Out here in Newman's land. Keith Hernandez is a villain here in Newman's land. That kid gets no tip. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Here in Newman's land. I wasn't sure if you were going to get there. I was a little nervous. You, you didn't do my favorite part. Which was that? Well, when it just kind of kicks off, you know, after the second, after the third line. This morning's paper. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I didn't sing it well. No, you yeah. did not. But the parody was good anyway. Well, folks, that was No Man's Land. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Are you upset for Dave that he had dinner with the least famous actress who played Amy Fisher? Oi. Do you remember watching this song on Letterman? And do you think the lyrics should be Valentine or Valentine? Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel A to Z.